my name is Tom Chick. You're listening to the Quarter Three Podcast, and I'm here with none other than... Jason McMaster. No, no, no. Jason D. McMaster. That's right. Do you know what this music is from? You must. Every day, Everyone does, don't they? It's. Uh, it sounds like Daft Punk. Um... Is, is it, you know, is it, I don't know. Well, I, I have to say, uh, Jason Demon, you, my friend, get huge props for recognizing that as being Daft Punk, but not knowing that it's from Tron 2. Oh, that's D-Rest, isn't it? Whoa, you actually know the track name. All right, haha, you saw, you saw Tron 2. <laughs> no, well, actually, well, I actually watched about a third of Tron 2 and then turned it off, but I do like Daft Punk, so that's why I know this is the track name. Very good. Uh, I'm impressed. Actually, I, I've been listening to a lot of awesome soundtracks lately, all from this year. The Tron 2 soundtrack, of course. Actually, wait, was that last year? When did Tron 2 come out? Nah. That was last year. That was freaking last Christmas. Right, so that screws up my whole thing I was going to say about 2011 being the year of the soundtrack, because there's Daft Punk, uh, Tron 2, but that's last year. The Hannah soundtrack, which is Chemical Brothers, and newly available... I think it's a $10 download, the Bastion soundtrack. Oh, Bastion has a pretty cool soundtrack. It does, and it's really cool when you you can play a gramophone when you're in the hub and cycle through some of the music, but just playing it like it's driving music, and they recorded a little intro for it, and there's a couple of bonus tracks on it, and uh, it's just a great little package. Uh, you know what? Why didn't I play something from the Bastion soundtrack instead of uh, Tron 2? It's because you hate Bastion. <laughs> Rats, you outed me. <laughs> uh, so, Jason D. McMaster, what are we going to do this week? We're going to pick our choice for post or threat of the week. I like it. News of the week. I like it. And game of the week. I really like that. All right, good. Oh, yes. uh, where should we start? Why don't you be the master of ceremonies? Start us uh, with one of the categories, and I'm going to give you all the power to decide who goes first. All right. Since my Pinball FX2 super score is higher than yours now. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Oh, hold on, no. hold on. Is that really true? That's true. When when did that happen? And how, how much help did you have to get from your wife to make that happen? That was like a week or two ago. And um, not a ton. You know, she she uh, she likes playing, too. I she did not set all the high scores, though, believe it or not. I actually played quite a bit. So do you own all the tables, then? Oh, yeah, yeah. You jerk. Well, what's your super score? Oh, God, it's like 356, I think. Oh, for Pete's sake. That's like a whole hundred points higher than mine, I think. Is no, you're, no, it might be like 20 points, 30 points. Oh, because I thought I was somewhere around the 250 point, but maybe you're right. Uh, okay, well, that government, I've got my work cut out for me in the next few days. <laughs> yeah, and I like to thank my uh, sickness for playing the worst pinball tables ever. For playing it's the what? Say that. In the worst, the worst pinball tables. Oh, yes, right, right. Rocky and Bullwinkle, Extreme Agent. Yes, right, right. <laughs> yeah, because like it's it's actually fun to play the other ones. So uh, you know. You can't, <laughs> You kind of cap out at, at, on some of those, and then you're like, oh, God, I've, I've got like 14 points on Buccaneers. So I guess I better go play that one until I get uh, 15 do you, points. 
Now, do you have a favorite table? Actually, so are we in your Game of the Week territory, or did you just want to mention that? Oh, no, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, so do you, but, do you have a favorite table, by the way? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm actually – I like a lot of the Marvel ones. Um, Nerd. I like, yeah, yeah. I like. I actually like Blade for some reason. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of sick of Iron Man. I played that one a lot trying to get score. Um Blade has that really nifty day-night thing where you're hunting yeah. vampires at night and when the balls light up. I mean, but Blade is very atmospheric. I, 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 Blade is a good one. Yeah, like, and man, that Captain America one. I wish that guy would just get the hell out of the way. Mr. Like Zemo or Zuma or. So I feel bad, like maybe I ruined it for you. Would you have noticed if I hadn't said anything? Probably. I mean, he, he is a big guy with a pink towel over his head or whatever that wanders up on the table so yeah i mean it's hard to miss that well and he just takes so long that's what bothers yeah, yeah it's it's irritating it reminds me of uh yeah like i said that one time the angels from uh two human or whatever was right. it two human two human. human definitely yep it just sounds like it's such a bad name that it sounds like it'd have to be a joke but you know, I've actually never thought much about the meaning of the name Too Human. You're right. I'm not sure I understand that. I wonder yeah, if it's, it's like a play on uh, what's the Terrell Corporation motto in Blade Runner? More human than human? Yeah. I, I wonder if that's what they were going for. They might have. Yeah. They uh, all right. So your favorite table is Blade. Because you, by the way, uh, you mentioned your favorite table being Blade. Uh, there is now a Wesley Snipes adventure game on the iPhone available. I forget what it's called, something like uh, International Agent, or it's got some generic title like that. But it's an adventure game on the iPhone, and it's an officially licensed Wesley Snipes product. So if you're so a big fan of Blade, you might want to try that. Is it? It's not called like Wesley Snipes International Tax Evasion, something. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I'd play that. Well, consider that for your game of the week next week. I will. All right, so what do you got going this week other than forcing me to play more Pinball FX2, you jerk? Uh, I don't know. I, you know what, I'll, let's start with uh, post slash threat of the week, and I'll go first. Okay. I'll, my threat of the week is started by post of the week as a building block. Mm-hmm. And it started a little slow, but it started to gain momentum, and that is the I Can't Stand Unlocks thread that Mono started. And I picked this one because I really like Unlocks, but I can see where people would get really annoyed with it, the whole idea of the weapon unlock. And, and his whole point is that uh, I'll just read the post, actually. Okay. I haven't had much time, but I'm back into Brink since the DLC has been released. I heart the game. But I will say, I'm freaking tired of unlocks. In any game. Honestly, with kids, I just don't have a weekend or even an entire evening to pour into the game. I've been grinding out finishing all campaign levels. I've two-starred all challenges, and my primary character is still ranked 4, level 19. I want the freaking Lazarus grenade for my medic damage. And he goes on to say, of course, uh, more to the effect that he just dislikes unlocks in games, specifically multiplayer, because he understands single-player more. But I don't know, Tom. What do you think? I, I'm a big fan of unlocks. I like the Call of Duty unlocks. I like all that kind of stuff. It, it gives me a reason to actually play multiplayer. Well, two things come to mind. First of all, I, too, was at one point eager to get the Lazarus grenade. It's not all that. 
forget the Lazarus grenade. Don't waste your upgrade point. I, I mean, you know what? I, there are a few occasions where it comes in handy, but otherwise, don't feel obligated to grind for a Lazarus grenade, people. It's just not that good. Uh, second of all, for unlocks in general, um, I, I, like you, Jason McMaster, most of the time think, yeah, I like unlocks. But occasionally a game comes along where I feel like the design is so incredibly stifled by the unlock system that it makes me hate, hate, hate all unlocks. And sure. that that is where I currently am right now. It's a game that I will be talking about next week. Uh, the It is currently under embargo. Uh, but I am currently uh, in a hate, hate uh, situation with unlocks. So, Mono, I feel your pain. Forget the Lazarus Grenade. Let's you and me go play only sandbox games that have nothing to unlock where all the content is available to you at all times. That, that's where I stand on that. Speaking of which, Saints Row 3 is coming up, huh? That, does that have a, oh, you know what? See, but that's like, that's, uh, you know, now I'm back to loving unlocks, Jason D. McMaster. See what you've done to me? <laughs> <laughs> that's where an unlock though is so, and, and those guys that are so good at, at, Folding this concept of unlocks and rewards into the gameplay as you go. So you're right. I'm back. I'm back on board. You're back. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't hard to get you back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easy. Uh, but yeah, did, did you like? Are you the Call of Duty system where you're you're grinding for weapons and perks? Like that works for you? You like that particular use of unlocks in multiplayer, where all these toys you don't get them until you've put in your time grinding? Yeah. No, I don't mind that at all. It just, I, I guess that there's the whole, it gives me a reason to play aspect. But, I mean, because I do like the multiplayer, but after a while it gets to be like, uh, who cares, you know? But if you're trying to unlock something, at least it keeps me going. I just want to say, do you remember a younger, more innocent time, Jason D. McMaster, when we did not need a reason to play beyond the play itself? Uh, sure. Yeah, I remember that. Back when I was a jerk. <laughs> and back when we were kids and had nothing but time to waste and school was out for the summer and what else are you going to go do? Poke a stick in a creek out and behind the house? <laughs> I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, it, it really is funny though how, uh, it's, it's such a Pavlovian response. If you put a little padlock on an icon for a gun, I just feel so obligated to do whatever it takes to get that padlock off of that icon. Well, yeah, whatever guy killed me, if he has that gun, I'm so pissed because I know that I would have killed him if I had had the same gun. But no, it's locked, and I have to get it. You did some serious grinding for the uh, Gears of War 3 beta, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, oh I did, yes. I'm locked. And that's you. You've done your you've done your unlock duty for for the year. I, I think. Well, well, yeah. You have to play like the one thing I got. You had to play in a hundred matches, and then you had to get ninety kills after that. And then yeah, I did that. Or was a hundred wins, maybe. I, I don't remember. You know, every now and then I'll get a game and I'll go down. Uh, I say every now and then. Invariably, when I get a game on the Xbox 360, I'll look at the achievements list and think, okay. You know, when I start playing, roughly how many of these achievements am I going to get? And how many of these am I never, no way in hell, ever going to see? And it's funny going down the list, and there are things like, oh, I kill five enemies with one grenade. Yeah, I'll get that one. But you oh, go further down the list, and there are things like, win 1,000 online matches. And I'm like, yeah, that one. You can just kiss that one goodbye. Yeah, there is no <laughs> game I like enough 
to do that. Uh, so uh, you mentioned at, at the at, when you first talked about Mono's Post, it got you playing a, a particular game. <coughs> no, no, I, oh. uh, I just uh, was. Yeah, he was he was mentioning Brink, but you know, God, I just like the unlocks in Brink as well. Of course, I, I just like a lot of things about. Brink. Now, out of curiosity, was what makes the unlocks in Brink unpalatable to you, but you are okay with the unlocks in the Call of Duty games? Can you put your finger on that? You know, I think it was certain levels of unlocks in Brink make you, I don't know, like the engineering class, you don't really get a, what a turret until you don't really start with one, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Do you? I don't remember. But I, I, there were certain things that just it did, you didn't start with. Certain things that just felt right for the classes. Also, the rank system. I, of course, I had a really bad time with rank. Uh, I had the PC version, and just it was god awful uh, for me uh, because I had an uh, ATI card, and they did not react well, uh, like the newer cards didn't. Mm-hmm. to brink and uh it made my frame rate like 10 frames per second no matter what so in fact brink wouldn't even load for uh i think two or three days so that was pretty cool i can actually fix all that for you in two words the two words are and not necessarily in this order 360 and xbox oh oh yeah well actually i did find a used copy of that and, uh, but i think i just had like such a level of uh angst built up at that point i couldn't enjoy i understand it's like an ex-girlfriend and you there's no hope that you can just be friends even no no i mean and i wanted to because i i saw brink the first time that bethesda announced it what three years ago i saw it a couple of years ago and i was so psyched about actually getting to play it this year and then uh yeah i just like the first week and a half was just awful well, just consider it has been uh, patched nine ways to Sunday, and there are now two, I think, two free downloadable maps. The level cap has been raised. Each class gets a new skill. Uh, there's a couple of, I think, a couple of new general skills for all of the classes to choose from, uh, and all that's free. So, you know, is it free on the 360 as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I grabbed it on Steam, but I haven't put my copy on the 360 yet to right. see if I can grab it. I'll have to do it. I'll try it. See, because I'm I'm the opposite of you, McMaster, in that I like I feel like the unlocks in Brink are more meaningful, and the gameplay implications of each unlock are are much more apparent to me. Whereas in Call of Duty, I just I, you know the 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 way they present the stats for the guns, I just don't really care that much. The the Call of Duty is is so the way you shoot someone is so lethal, basically. Like it's so easy to just oh, yeah. stumble into a kill. That I couldn't really be bothered to care whether or not I've got a Famus or an AK-47 or a P90X, you know, I whatever. Uh, but but the stuff in Brink just feels so much more meaningful. Like I know what a Lazarus grenade is and what what a dramatic impact that may or may not have when I finally unlock that. It just feels like it it folds into the gameplay so much more significantly. I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing I'll give. Uh well, one thing I'll say for Call of Duty, uh, now, I, admittedly, uh, the differences in the guns, they're, they're modeled for a sort of realism, and some of them are considerably better than others, of course. But, um, the one thing that I really liked was unlocking, like, the elite perks 
you know, the mm-hmm. veteran perks where you yep. had to like have a certain perk and then do a bunch of like crazy different kills and stuff with it or whatever. So like a certain amount and then you get a better version of it. And that was, I mean, that was a little bit better of an unlock. At least it makes you have to do a certain thing, you know, And that's the way that you improve the different guns and get the attachments, if I'm not mistaken. Like, aren't there specific challenges for guns that unlock the attachments? I could be mistaken there. Yeah, there are, yeah, no, there are certain, like, all, everything in that game has a stat tracking challenges. Right. Like, a ton of it. And yeah, certain things do unlock certain things or give you the power to buy more or et cetera. Uh, Space Marine has a very similar system. I got to see the multiplayer there, and it's you know you're 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 basically leveling up your perks and your weapons, uh, and they each have different kind of slottable abilities. Like it's very Call cool. of Duty. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I think because again, it's one where. It, it, they're not just subtle differences. They're not just a bunch of guns with subtle differences. They're distinctly different kinds of weapons that behave different ways. Well, sure, yeah. You unlock your stuff. You can you can uh, feel a lot more when you when you leave reality. When you leave the whole tactical military yeah. realm, uh, you have a lot more leeway to play around. <laughs> yeah, when you have stuff like last cannons and things like that. Yeah, it's a little bit more fun to mess with. Well, so just to tease next week's show. Uh, I just want to say, if you are a fan of Unlocks, boy, you are going to love Age of Empires Online. I'm just going to put that down there. I'm going to leave it, and we'll come back to that next week. Uh, all right, so that was your uh, post of the week from Mono. Uh, are you a fan of Unlocks? Uh, I am now, for my post of the week, I actually was going to, uh, oh, dadgummit. I think Trigger Cut, somebody somebody seemed like he had insomnia one night, and he came out, I'm pretty sure it was Trigger Cut, uh, and he was just flipping through, like, the Nature Channel, and he came upon some show called, like, Big Cat Diaries, or it was some kind of nature show about lions and tigers or whatnot, and he just found himself thinking he was going to watch it and fall asleep, and it would put him to sleep, uh, but he got hooked on it, and so he started a post on this Big Cat Diaries nature show, and in his post, he started a thread, and in his initial post, he had some great little bit about, uh, I think, leopards, and how nobody gives leopards their due. You know, everybody loves tigers and lions and cheetahs, but leopards are underappreciated, and he mentioned briefly how awesome leopards were, and then he immediately segued into something about if leopards were a character in an MMO what they would be. Uh, and I just thought that was so cute that that's where his frame of reference went. <laughs> you know, this this sleep-deprived fellow who has stumbled across a nature documentary and is relating it to MMOs. That was going to be my post of the week. But rather than just pick something funny and frivolous like that, I came across something that Atherin posted today. Oh. Uh, it's a post uh, that's just dangling at the end of a super long ongoing thread on The Sims 3. And what Atherin points out in this post, uh, in a thread I think on Sims Medieval, we had been talking about how The Sims games are kind of reluctant to throw difficult challenges at players. You know, The Sims games are notoriously friendly. Uh, they're very sandboxy, and even though over their various iterations they've worked in more goal-oriented gameplay and they've become more true to their basic strategy game nature, and I've always maintained that The Sims are strategy games, uh, they're really reluctant to, to give you 
difficult challenges that might have fail states or to score you or to, to channel you into a min-maxing situation. And actually, one of my favorite things about The Sims Medieval is how it really does make some tentative steps in that direction. There are times when you're playing Sims Medieval, a particular character in a particular kingdom doing particular quests, that you get this sense that someone over there at EA really did want to create these little challenges in the context of The Sims. Uh, but, but they're still, they're not, there's not a lot of metagame around them. There's no scoring. There's nothing that encourages you to necessarily take a difficult to play sim. Uh, it's still very friendly and forgiving. So Atherin, recalling this conversation, posted a link to some fella, uh, who runs a website called Carl's Guides. And if you go to Carl's Guides, you'll see he's got a few different games. They're PC games like Civ Five and Sims and maybe a couple other things. And in some of the guides, he's just written a few tips. But if you go to the Sims 3 section for Carl's Guides, it's very active. And he's got a very active Sims 3 forum there. And one of the things they've got going in this forum, and by golly, I wish I'd known about this earlier because it's been going all year, is a 2011 championship tournament for Sims 3. Now, you might wonder, how would you have a tournament in Sims 3? It's a sandbox game. You know, your Sims can grow old, they get married, they die, whatever. It's just it's just an organic thing that goes on. Well, what they've done in this tournament, and there's actually a whole sub-forum on Carl's Guides for challenges. This tournament is a series of basically monthly challenges, and you play the challenge. Uh, included in the challenge is a way to score your performance, so after you've played it, you then post your performance in this thread. And over the course of the year, I think it's whoever wins the three, whoever scores highest on their, their three highest scores in the different uh, challenges, uh, wins the year-long tournament. So you, you look, you're looking at this list, and it's got all these different ways to play The Sims 3. Uh, there are challenges laid at your feet. Like I, like for instance, one of them is uh, it's a. I think the, the one currently going on is something like party like a rock star. And your objective is to start with a young adult sim, to work your way up to the rock star uh, career, the, the musician's career, and the top of it is rock star. And then you've got to compete for the highest paying concert, uh, and I think something like the the most autographs signed. So. So what you're doing is you're, you're playing a sim, but you've got this ultimate goal in mind, and you're competing against other people playing it to get a high score. Uh, the the next month one, the the the, ter- the challenge for next month uh, is called Hobos to Heroes, uh, and what you have to do is you start with two sims, you put them on an empty lot, and you leave them alone for as long as it takes for them to uh, both hate each other and receive the starving moodlet. And a moodlet is something that, uh, it's a, it's a, it's like a buff or a debuff. So if you don't feed your sims for a long time, they'll eventually be starving and it'll affect their mood. So what you've got to do is you've got to take these two poor sims, these hapless sims, and reduce them to this horrible state. And then the challenge is, how quickly can you get these two sims to be married and to be, uh, firefighter heroes, which is the very top of the firefighter, uh, career chain. Uh, and based on how long you do it, you know, the time it takes, the shortest time wins. And furthermore, in this challenge, if you take negative traits that makes it harder for the Sims to get along with each other or harder for them to attain their highest rank in the firefighter career, you're, you get a bonus to your time. Like you, 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 uh, your, your score will be higher. You can take longer to do it and still score well. 
so I just love that someone is, you know, that there are enough Sims fans that there are people, and this is an active tournament too. There were like, I don't know, 50 names uh, of participants in this thing. Uh, so that's my thread of the week. I'm glad Atherin picked that out. If I was playing more Sims 3, I would love to jump into one of these. Uh, and I hope EA looks at this and it seems like it would take so little effort for them to build something like that into The Sims, whether it's like a, an optional website thing or a downloadable thing or, or just something that tracks a high score. Uh, so there you go. Right. Do you play The Sims 3? Are you above that? You know, I don't know. Uh, I like Rod Umble. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's... Oh, and that's like, that's yeah. all you're gonna that's all you're gonna that's, say. That's, that's the only all, phrase yeah. you're gonna give. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, that, that that by the way, uh, Jason D. McMaster, that is my answer when people ask if I uh, like Second Life. <laughs> you like Rod Uncle? Because isn't that where he went? Isn't he working at Second Life now? Is he? Oh, Wagner is gonna be so happy. Yeah, he's over it. I, you know what? I I think you know. I hope I haven't. Uh, I haven't terribly slandered Rod Humble, uh, but I thought he went over to Linden Labs and was working on that. Uh, I mean, how? Why not? They're the biggest money maker. I've no earthly idea what they do, really. <laughs> I mean, that is that is kind of outrageous. That is like suggesting that you know Brian Reynolds is making Facebook games. Just who right. ever heard of such a thing? That's sick. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I like The Sims Three. I just it's one of those things that I, I kind of guess got sick of having to micromanage every freaking part of every like every sense life so i like the sense medieval much more i do too yeah i'm a fan of that all right so there's our, our posts of the week uh what do we got next we we still have yet to go news of the week and games of the week well we could do news let's do news and uh you know i'll go first again all right since I'm gonna feel like a total shilling asshole. Uh oh. You know what I'm gonna say. I, I do. Why bother? Well, you might not. Uh, League of Legends. They had a. Uh, they announced a new game mode. Oh, Domination. Dominion. But Dominion. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's close. But it, but it is kind of like Domination or or whatever. It's a, a capture and hold point uh, hold system. So. Okay. And um looks like they're going to be showing it at PAX and Gamescom. And I wish I was going to either to see it. But um yeah, it's a capture and point or capture and hold point gameplay style where you have to go and like as it sounds, capture several points and keep the enemy from capturing them back and uh you gain points the more points you have, et cetera, until the game's over. So uh I'm actually pretty interested in that specifically since this is a game mode that you haven't really seen in this type of game now is this uh you know you say that but uh i am pretty sure there are rts's that have done that kind of thing before um, yeah but but they're jerk rts's <laughs> how dare you <laughs> no, now, no no is this I'm just a moba ah good point fair enough now is this still a 5v5 situation yes okay so the map uh, it's an all-new map Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just I know, right? They're going to make a new map? Riot Games is doing a, a third map? I know, I know. It's it's crazy. It's inconceivable. This one, uh, I, we're hoping really actually happens as compared to um, a 
God, what was it? Now I completely forget the name of the other one. The, but they had done <laughs> the domination map. Uh, Tom Safondoff. Uh, the, um, they had another map. Uh, it was like the core or something. Uh, that they announced and never released. And then there's, of course, the graphic upgrade Project Shiny that never really came about. And, but this one does have its own website and a bunch of video about it, and supposedly they are showing it. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping this one happens. Well, uh, the usual question, Jason D. McMaster, is when can I play this? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would like to know as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe it's uh, going to be in the next couple of months. Though I don't believe they said a specific date. It'll be after Gamescom and PAX, and then uh, probably around the beginning of Season 2 or in the middle of the break between Season 1 and Season 2. Season 1 and Season 2? What on earth are you on about? Is that like a TV show? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's the – they have seasons because it's an eSport. And in these seasons, the people who are ranked highest, if they play ranked games, um, go to tournaments. So at the end of the season, they have kind of a playoff, which we had our big tournament, or the League of Legends tournament, was at DreamHack. And they extended uh, the end of season one a bit to give people to try a bit to get their ranks up, because you get rewards if you have a certain ELO rank mm-hmm. uh, by the uh, end of the season. And, um, yeah, and then as soon as that ends, there will be a break, an off-season, and then season two will start, and then the whole thing begins again. So uh, the new mode is called Domination. Well, Dominion. We don't know when it's coming out, uh, and it'll be a, a capture-and-hold kind of thing. Yeah, and you can see uh, quite a bit of gameplay at LegalLegends.com now. Actually, not, I wouldn't say quite a bit, but they have a few, a gameplay behind the scenes thing. Uh, so, you know, that actually, like, I, I, I was goofing on them for making a new map because they have taken forever. You know, they're, they're notorious for just having the one map. Nobody plays that 3v3. Uh, right. But in addition to a new map, like, I can't help but wonder this new gameplay mode, which is so focused on characters that stand there and hold territory, holy cats, how are they going to balance their hundred or so heroes? around a whole a paradigm shift like that. It just seems like, uh, you know, I want to say it seems like a nightmare. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I'll tell you, like, you know, you're right. that The 3v3 map, is it's not particularly popular. Everybody plays the 5v map. Um, but between the 5v map and the 3v map, there are heroes that are absolute crap on, like, either one that are actually pretty good on the other. So it's kind of funny, you know. Oh. It, it takes like, yeah, I mean, for instance, the 3v map's a lot smaller. So characters, some characters I can think of, like Singed being one in particular, moves quite a bit um, and has a good bit of health. Uh, he can get around the map a lot faster than the average character. Whereas um, if they have, uh, I mean, you know, he, he can actually get around the 5v map, but quite well too but certain characters like if a character's not good early game like uh, they're not good on the 3v3 map usually right because those games are a lot shorter um, you know i guess that's part of the part of the disadvantage part of the weakness of having 100 characters is also the strength in that some of those characters just because some of those characters are useless you, you don't have to use them i mean i, I guess that's kind of what i'm 
thinking is that not, you know, if there's a character that sucks for the domination mode, you just don't use it. You figure that out and you don't use it. That doesn't necessarily right. mean the game is yeah. unbalanced. That just means it's up to players. There's a whole metagame thing about which character do you choose for which map. Uh, it's not like the factions in StarCraft where all three of them have to be equal because they can be represented on any map at any time. Right, yeah, these guys, there's because there's so many heroes, and I mean, the problem that a lot of the heroes run into from being picked for maps is, there, you know, there's only so many things you can do. Right. Uh, you know, so, like, they, they eventually end up releasing characters that are better than older characters in, in virtually almost every way. And then, of course, they'll buff the older characters so they're better, you know, back and forth. Right. Back and forth. But but you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, with that many characters... It, so, some that just absolutely suck here and might not suck somewhere else. Now, uh, how's the Monkey King working out for you? Yeah, he's okay. I actually haven't played him very much lately, but he's uh, he's entertaining. Uh, I like his spinning move. Well, I, I've seen a lot of people not particularly pleased with him that I've played with, but whatever. They're jerks. <laughs> no. They don't like monkeys. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm one of them. I hate monkeys. Monkeys are uh, weird. They're creepy. I don't, I don't like them either. Yeah, I just I I I think we should banish all monkeys. I just want to put that out there. Uh, now, if you had extended your stay in Germany, Jason D. McMaster, you could be going to Gamescom right now. Yeah, I know that's a shame, but oh well. I you know, <laughs> uh, I really do want to see it though. I'd like to see it at PAX, but who goes to PAX? Everyone apparently. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> well, this this ties into my news story of the week, because it's not really a news story of the week so much as, well, there was news here, but I just wanted to, for my news story of the week, discuss having gone to QuakeCon. Uh, on this podcast, we may not cover PAX, we may not cover GamesCon, but by golly, we can cover QuakeCon, because I, I was there. Uh, so yes, I, I want to hear this, too. I, all right. I'm really awaiting. It's cause, that's right, because as soon as we recorded... Last week, I basically hung up the podcast and got on an airplane and went to Texas. So uh, QuakeCon is its an odd beast because a lot of QuakeCon is this uh, BYOC, bring your own computer event, where people drag their desktops out to a big, huge convention center that's full of tabletop space and uh electrical outlets and land cable and whatnot. Uh and you literally have hundreds of people setting their computers up in this space and I guess they just play games, you know, land games. Like uh you know, people are hosting servers and you can browse them and find them and then whatever and they have tournaments and then they have a sh- a small show floor which has like some little tiny booths around the edges and some bigger booths in the center and there's a stage where you know, Todd Holland's head and a bunch of uh, strippers get up there and throw T-shirts while people yell. And yes. uh, so it's basically four days of that kind of stuff. There were a few panels that I went to um, and some press demos uh, that were, were showing things that weren't on the floor, which seems a little odd that they would do that at QuakeCon. But I guess they want to time certain announcements uh, with QuakeCon coverage. So since they know press will be there, they give them like behind door, behind closed doors demos. And, and one such demo I did was uh, because id, who runs QuakeCon, is now part of Bethesda. Actually, they're all under, under Zenimax, but uh, for all intents and purposes, 
it is owned by Bethesda now. Bethesda has sort of co-opted QuakeCon. So it is to Bethesda what I think BlizzCon is to Blizzard. That's how Bethesda thinks of it. So they were showing their big titles like Rage, Dishonored, and Skyrim. So the Skyrim demo was a lot of fun for the fact that they just set us up on a bunch of computers and, you know, they had like Pete Hines, the PR fellow for Bethesda and, uh, Todd Howard, the, the, I guess the lead designer for the Oblivion games, just sort of strolling around, watching over our shoulder, answering any questions we had and just letting us play it for an hour, which, uh, is an interesting way to show a game. Uh, I kind of enjoyed just diving in, but I also kind of hated it. Because they give you a character, you know, they let you make a character if you want, but they give you a bunch of inventory items, so you don't get a sense for discovering treasure. You don't really have time to follow any quest chains. Uh, it's basically just, hey, jump into the world, look how pretty it is, look at some cool things you can find. And that's that's a small part of that whole uh, Elder Scrolls experience, that whole Oblivion experience that I like. Uh, so it was just kind of like going to a nice, great restaurant and all you get is a little like a tiny little bit of a dinner salad <laughs> which and then you're being t- and then you're told okay that's it you have to leave until november 11th uh oh well at least you got that at, at least i got that that's right most people i should be grateful most people didn't even get any of the dinner salad much less a seat at the table so what am i kvetching about uh but it does look good uh you know they've it, it's it's oblivion, you know. It's it's their whole Elder Scrolls open world experience. Uh, the the water looked awesome. If you care about that kind of thing, uh, I liked the interface for uh, the the dialogue and the leveling up. Like they're they're doing a they seem to have a much cleaner interface. Because good lord, uh, Oblivion was just so. I mean, trying wonky. to navigate that's so wonky, and trying to navigate that yeah. with a with a gamepad was just painful. Um, we were playing on, uh, you know what? I want to say we were playing on PCs, but we weren't. We were sitting at desks with, mo- with, uh, like monitors up there, but it, they were 360s. So we were playing on the 360 controller and it didn't even bother me. So that's a good sign that I actually had to think, was I on a PC or was I on a 360? Cause if I think of playing Oblivion on my 360, I immediately c- comes to mind like having to fumble around with the inventory of the 360 controller. Uh, so that, graphically, did it? It, it looks great, you know. I they're they're really pushing the limits of I think what a 360 can do. It looks atmospheric. Uh, pretty much every place I saw was kind of because I didn't get very far from the starting area. I don't know how much, how many varied ecosystems, for lack of a better word, there are in Skyrim. Um, I but it's I, bigger. It's certainly big, but I do wonder if it's all that kind of like wintry, hard scrabble, open terrain. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. Like I seem to recall in Oblivion, there was like the mountain areas and there was the swampy areas. And like, I don't know if I, I would imagine, surely they have the luxury to do that kind of stuff in, in Skyrim. Um, but it looked great, even though it was a bleak, relatively unspectacular landscape. Um, uh, so I got to play a little of that. I was pretty unimpressed with rage, which, uh, you know, whatever looks good, but I, I, I don't know. I rage. We'll, we'll see. There's there's just very little there that I find uh, appealing or much of a hook for me personally. Well, I'm curious about it because I, you know I read your game side and uh, the vehicles. That's what I'm curious. Like 
I want to know. So we're losing you. It sounds like you are retreating farther into your tin can. Uh, so I love that tin can. <laughs> there you go. That sounds better. So, so the vehicles you say you're curious about. Yeah, I, I just uh, that's the thing is like uh, you know you were, you like uh, making fun of me for my Borderlands vehicle combat, but uh, no, uh, Borderlands really does feel tacked on vehicles. I love Borderlands actually, but the vehicle itself. Parts are just kind of like, yeah, it helps you get somewhere faster. Oh, and there's some irritating dudes you have to shoot. Right. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I just, that's my big hope for Rage is the vehicles aren't useless. Well, there's certainly, you, you know, all of the head-to-head multiplayer is based on vehicular combat. So even though, you know, even if it is tacked on, at least for a tacked on feature, they're fleshing it out a little bit more. Uh, most of my time in the single player was spent with this horrible little ATV, which feels like a lawnmower, uh, but I'm convinced uh, that that's in there just to get you to appreciate the buggy all the more when you when you get it, which is fairly early on. You only have to do a few of the missions with the ATV. Uh, and, and as I wrote, it, there was a cool bit, like maybe a couple hours into the game, where you're in the vehicle, and up to then it feels like you're just driving the vehicle to do a, a corridor shooter mission, and then you drive the vehicle to do another corridor shooter mission. There was one point where I felt like things kind of came together, and the driving to the mission part became a shooter part of gameplay. So if they can integrate that stuff well, because that's actually Jason D. McMaster. When I think of a game like like Rage or Borderlands or Fallout, what that taps into for me and I don't know if this is the case for you, but what I love about those games is this whole Road Warrior vibe. Well, sure. And a crucial component of that is I need a badass car. You know, oh, you yeah. want to you want to drive around the wasteland, and that I always felt was a huge failing of Fallout because their their engine really wasn't they they couldn't support this idea of getting in the last of the V8 interceptors and taking off down the desert wasteland. You know, they couldn't really do that. Borderlands tried, and they, you know, bless their hearts, they, they gave it a shot. So maybe, maybe Rage will tap into that a little better. This idea that to really be a post-apocalyptic warrior, you need an awesome car. Maybe that's what that's a gap that Rage will fill. There's always Borderlands, too. Ah, uh, so there, yes, yes, there is. They have cars and stuff in it, I heard from that. <laughs> Everything in one, I believe. Oh, yes. Uh, but at the end, you know, so I'll talk a little bit more about Rage when I get to my game of the week. So I'm going to table that for a second. Uh, let's see. So the thing that I saw at QuakeCon that was really, really exciting, and this is technically my news of the week. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm getting all oh. choked up just thinking about it. Oh, God. <laughs> do you know what Dishonored is? Because first of all, it's a horrible name. Uh, but do you know what this game is? I saw, God, I want to say I saw it at Bethesda's booth or somewhere around E3. See, you didn't. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Is it's, I, I really blame the name. I think this is one of the worst game names I've heard in a long time. Uh, it, it was only announced at a on a Game Informer cover, I think, last month. Uh, and oh, I saw it on the site. I saw it on quarter to three, I believe. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah, there was probably a thread about it. Uh, and Game Informer had uh, the cover looked like something out of Half Life Two. It looks like this City Seventeen thing with with the Striders walking around. Uh, right. And, uh, so and it had and you know Dishonored is just, what oh what kind of name is that? Uh, but so they were awesome. Do you really think so? Dishonored. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I mean, Dishonored sounds like 
like are you a, are you a Ronin in feudal Japan or something? Or I don't, I don't know what. Uh, you know, I think of I've been playing a lot of this card game on the on the iPhone called Ascension, and you earn honor points in Ascension, and they're basically your victory points. So. I, I don't know. Dishonor just doesn't sound like anything. It doesn't really evoke any meaningful thing or place or game. Uh, yeah, I remember the. It's got the the face mask the guy's holding. I remember seeing all that in the game before. Well, the the reason it's called Dishonored is because uh, you play an uh, like some guy in a royal court who's been accused of an assassination. I I don't know. Like you you're accused of a sat. You're working for. I I think I'm getting this. I don't know if I'm getting this right, but like you're working for the queen and she gets assassinated and everybody thinks you did it. So you are, what, you ready? You ready for this? You are yeah, yeah. dishonored, you say. No shit. By the way, does, does that remind you of the opening to any other game? I can't think of any now. Witcher 2. Well, yeah. Cause Geralt, well, you know, he's working. Actually, in that's the, a good- yeah, so that's that's kind of where I go. I don't know if that's a common fantasy trope. I don't read a lot of fantasy or play it. I don't. Well, it just sounds like most fantasy in a way, where it's you know it's always like some rugged character that people don't really understand, but he's good. He's good deep down. Yeah, and uh, he he's just these incredible circumstances put him on the wrong side <laughs> of the law. So yeah. So, but, but, well, the thing about Dishonored, though, is it's nothing like Witcher 2. Uh, from the demo, uh, you wouldn't know, like, the demo really didn't touch on the, the plot or the significance of the name. Instead, the demo shows off that Dishonored is Deus Ex in a Bioshock setting. Huh. Uh, so, it, and it's got uh, the developers, oh, dadgum, I'm going to screw up their name. Uh, Arcane? Is that the name of the studio? The, yeah. The, uh, yeah, okay, so the developers are Arcane, but they have working with them. And actually, I, uh, I don't know if they hired him. Are you singing, by the way? I hear you singing. Uh, no, but I can definitely make people stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they've, they've got on board Harvey Smith, who uh, has been bouncing around a few different studios. I think he was most recently at Midway. So I don't know if he's officially with Arcane now or if they've just contracted out to him but at any rate he's working very closely with the lead guy at arcane to develop dishonored uh and uh you can clearly see they're wanting to do a deus ex type of gameplay where you've got a hub but from that hub you go to these mission instances like i think most recently of how alpha protocol worked um and in these instances uh unlike alpha protocol where the instances were just combat areas there's a lot of sort of like stealth and, and city areas with optional missions. There's a lot of uh, like hidden paths you can take and not just ducts, uh, but going across rooftops. Um, the the setting and the reason that I say it's like Deus Ex meets Bioshock, the setting, I first kind of thought it was like steampunk. It looks like this weird variation on Victorian London but with some odd kind of higher tech things. Um, but the way Harvey Smith described it is it's, uh, I'm going to screw this up, alternate historical future industrial or something like that. He used some combination of those words. It's an alternate history kind of thing, uh, which is like, 
what if London got all this technology and didn't develop in certain ways and there's a little history, a little sci-fi in it. But basically the bottom line is it's some cool, unique, distinct setting that has familiar trappings but feels unusual. And it reminds me a lot of Bioshock for that. You know, one of your guns is this really cool, ornate flintlock pistol. But similarly, you've got these quasi-magical powers that you can use. Um, so it, it was a great demo. Uh, their setting, the city is a, is a, it's an urban area that has a plague going on and people are dying from the plague and rats are running around spreading the plague. And the rats are built into the level design in that if you stray into the shadows too much, you can get attacked by rats. So that's like a distinct pitfall of using stealth. Um, and as you're playing the game, uh, as you make choices, instead of being a good evil situation, you know, do you kick the puppy or do you feed the puppy, they have what's called a chaos scale. So if you do things precisely and don't kill innocent bystanders and break a lot of stuff, you don't build up a lot of chaos. If you play it more as an action game, you build up a lot of chaos. So one of the byproducts of this is the more chaos you create, the more dangerous the rats become in the shadows. Um, so they, they just have uh, some really cool, distinct systems uh, with their world building, with the character powers. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, the demo they gave us could have unfolded several different ways that they talked about. Uh, it's a 2012 game, so it's still early. Um, but the systems all seem to be pretty much in place. And talking to Harvey Smith afterwards, he basically said, you know, now we have like a year or whatever to work on content. So that was the exciting thing for me to see uh, at QuakeCon. Uh, all right, so that's our news. By the way, have you ever been to a QuakeCon? I have not. So uh, the the experience, what, there was one morning where I was up like at 6 in the morning, uh, and you go down to this big, huge area where all the people have their computers set up. And you, as you can imagine, at 6 in the morning, that place is – it looks like it's been – Evacuated. I mean, everybody's computer's up and running. You know, it's safe. They leave their computers there, but it's it's mostly e- empty. There are a few like clusters of people. You might find like two people having an animated conversation. Maybe there's one or two guys spread out. You know, plinking away at a game. But for me, the iconic image of QuakeCon was walking around this place at 6 a.m. in the morning. You know, it was like some bombed out evacuated spot. It it, uh, it looked like. I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad, but it looked like Jesse's house from Breaking Bad. Uh, and the iconic image was coming up to one little area where there's a computer set up, and there was a guy with his head down in front of the computer just snoring away, totally asleep. And on the computer in front of him was this beautifully crafted, I don't know, it was a castle or something that he had made in Minecraft. <laughs> so I love the idea that some guy, I know there's a multiplayer component, but I love the idea that some guy comes to QuakeCon, he sits there all night making some beautiful thing in Minecraft, and then he falls asleep in front of his computer on a desk in this big, huge, now empty warehouse at 6 in the morning. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's, that's a nice <laughs> Gives you faith in mankind. <laughs> Although if you go, so when they when they did a few big press, uh, a few big public demos for like Skyrim, they did one for Prey too. I don't know what the deal is with QuakeCon. Like, are these people? And I apologize to people who are mentally disabled, but I'm going to use this word because it's just so perfect. Are people at QuakeCon freaking retarded? Because when you do a public demo at QuakeCon, for instance, for Prey 2 or for Skyrim, 
Every freaking body in the I don't know about everybody, but enough people in the audience are yelling during the demo for the guy doing the demo to shoot someone or rape something. I swear to freaking Jeebus, during the Skyrim demo, people were yelling at Todd Howard to rape the horse. So I was there in spirit. Ugh. Now, see, in spirit, yeah, but when you're at E3, Jason D. McMaster, I know I sat through a few demos. You never once, you kept that to yourself. You are not retarded. You knew better than to yell out during a demo, rape the horse. You know, when Chris Reinhart was doing a demo for Prey 2, you didn't tell him to shoot every single quest vendor. Uh, and it's like it's like a chant rises from the audience. It, it's, it's like some kind of like Roman gladiatorial thing. Uh, oh, God, what is it with people? I, you know what? I guess that's what happens when you spend hour upon hour playing, you know, whatever the shooter of the day is that those people are playing. God, uh, it would have to be Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, you, you can bet that guy playing Minecraft, he probably sure wasn't yelling that kind of stuff. No, he yells that at Minecraft. <laughs> Rape that block! Rape that castle! <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, that's that just uh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you yell at Todd Howard to rape a horse? And pl- I was not even aware that that was an option in. In by the way, Todd Howard's not a not the kind of guy that just inspires you to tell him to have sex with a horse in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> he does not. Yeah, he definitely does not strike me as a horse raper. Oh no, he's very nuts, man. <laughs> Not saying there's, you know, not any nice horse rapers, but I mean, it just seems like that you would probably, probably be, uh, you know, an asshole. <laughs> it just seems like, you know, Have you asshole heard of, behavior. Yeah. Have you heard of a movie called Zoo? No. All right. But uh, I'm, I'm disturbed by the fact that you could segue off of horse rapers. <laughs> well, let's just say the less said, the better. <laughs> and let's move on. <laughs> Uh, all right, so those were our news stories of the week. Now we get to the fun part. What do we got left, Jason D. McMaster? Um, well, I'll give you the option this time. Do you want to go first or shall I? I'm going to go first because this will segue a little bit from my QuakeCon discussion. So okay. as I said, Rage doesn't really do it for me. I'm sure it will be a perfectly fine game and it will get lovely eights and whatnot in the reviews. And lots of people will love it and it will sell well. Uh However, one of the reasons that I really couldn't get on board with Rage, you know, I don't know about one of the reasons, but but something that I kept thinking of while I was playing Rage uh, is a game that I played a press demo for shortly before leaving for, for QuakeCon. Now, Jason D. McMaster, you've started the trend of games of the week sometimes being games that aren't out yet. Oh, you, you picked Dead Island last week, so now I'm, I'm going to pick a game that's not out yet, but that I have, like you, I've played a press build of something called, and you know what, this is actually a pretty bad name too. It's not as bad as Dishonored, but what do you think of this for a game name? You ready, Jason D. McMaster? I'm ready. Hard Reset. That sounds like a mid-90s sci-fi movie. With Jean-Claude Van Damme. Possibly. Yes, I can see that. Or Edward Norton, maybe. I don't know. Edward Norton? What? You know, Eddie. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Because I, I would want to see him in some mid-90s sci-fi, something called Hard Reset. There's actually, do you know the movie Hardware? 
Of course I know hardware. Oh, you do? Because that's like a classic. That You just now made me think of that. Yeah, hardware. I guess that name is taken, though. But Oh, you know, it's not Ed Norton. I'm sorry. It's Ed Furlong. God, I was making, I'm just making a brain scan reference. Hey, they were both in American History X. <laughs> Very good, Jason D. McMaster. You know what? I think I, you, you qualify for a movie wonkdom with that one. Well done. Oh. Uh, even if, if you're going to confuse Edward Norton and Edward Furlong, that's the way to save your butt. That's the way to cover your ass there. Well played. Thank you. Uh, well, Hard Reset is not a 90s sci-fi movie. It is instead a 2011 shooter that will be out, I believe, in September. So look for it next month. Uh, its claim to fame, if it has any such thing, is that it is from some of the guys who made Painkiller. Now, Painkiller, I am, I think I am the president of the Painkiller fan club. We're, we're, a, we're a small but elite group, and I, I believe I can claim the presidency of that group. I'm not sure. I'll have to check. But uh, I'm a huge fan of Painkiller. It's a game developed by a, a, a studio in Poland called People Can Fly. And kids these days might know People Can Fly from Bulletstorm, which yes. uh, they created uh, with Epic, published by EA. So Bulletstorm, whether you like it or not, Bulletstorm certainly has this sort of mainstream AAA studio feel to it. Sure. Uh, and yeah. that's something that Painkiller didn't really have. Painkiller was no. sometimes a little raw, a little rough. Uh, it certainly had this this sort of inchoate genius to it. Um, you know, there wasn't much of a story, but by golly, where it ended up, the last level of Painkiller is, I think, one of the most sublime things in all of video gaming. Um, so, but what happened to People Can Fly before they started working with EA and, and Epic, and I think losing a little bit of their touch, is that some of those folks from, from People Can Fly have split off and formed new developers. One such developer is a group called Level or Farm 51, and they made a game called Necrovision, which was in many ways a terrible game. But I loved it. Necrovision had a little bit of that raw genius that was in Painkiller. Okay. So... Another group that has split off from People Can Fly is called, uh, uh, I think I've got it, Wild Flying Hog. That's, that's right. Uh, and it's, it's a, that's a great name, by the way. That should be the name of a video game. Uh, yes. So Wild Flying Hog, like Farm 51, retains, a, a, based on this build I've seen of Hard Reset, which is their game, they've retained some of that, that sort of crazy genius that's in Painkiller, I think. Now, what Hard Reset is, it's in a way just a shooter. You know, it's just a corridor shooter. You move down uh, a, a corridor, you pass a checkpoint, you're in a, a room and a bunch of enemies spawn and you fight them. Then you go to the next room. So it's got that painkiller sort of uh, framework to it. But what I think makes it great is whereas Painkiller was a bunch of like horror, fantasy tropes, you know, Painkiller actually you couldn't even pigeonhole it. It it just was all kinds of stuff thrown <laughs> together. Uh, it was, yeah. It's there's crazy. yeah, there's no way you could categorize like it didn't really have a genre. It did whatever the heck it wanted to. Uh, Hard Reset, on the other hand, has a very distinct uh, sort of future dystopia Blade Runner look to it, and it's very detailed and it does a great job of making it, even though you're basically in corridors, of making it look like you're in this vast, futuristic Blade Runner city, complete with all of these cliches, like the big old 
blimp that floats around with the billboards on it, uh, or the, the Blade Runner flying cars, or, you know, these guys are not afraid to borrow. Um, sure. But what it, what it does is while you're moving around in this city, it also lets you, like, a lot of times when you see a setting like this, it's kind of sterile and you can't interact much with it. Like in the, in the upcoming Deus Ex, there's a fair amount of detail, but you're not going to be able to break most of the world because that's kind of hard to do with these futuristic settings. Uh, they do a great job sort of masking that and making it feel like you're really messing up this futuristic city. Uh, the, the combat has a lot of mayhem in it. You know, you're, you're mainly fighting robots and cyborgs and stuff, but the variety of weapons and the weapon upgrades, by the way, have a lot of choice. Uh, the, the different ways you can develop your, you only get two guns, but they have all these different crazy attachments and modes and alternate fire modes. And, uh, every so often you fill a little bar that gives you an upgrade point, uh, and you can develop them in all kinds of crazy different ways. Um, so when you actually have a battle, the way the area looks after you fought, you know, with all these bra- broken things, uh, feels really interactive. Painkiller did a fairly good job with that as well. Um, so, uh, the the pacing of this and just how it was it was just crazy combat to crazy combat to crazy combat just ch- chained together like like beads on a necklace or something that was great i loved the pacing of it and something like rage is got you know a little combat and then you drive somewhere and you talk to a quest giver and then you collect these little craftables and you drive somewhere and you do your mission like the the pacing felt weird in rage but the pacing in hard reset it's just that painkiller, balls to the wall, make crazy stuff happen, pacing. And I, I loved it. They gave us a press build, which was like uh, sort of a short level with a huge boss at the end, very painkillery. Uh, the big boss is certainly the uh, hallmark, the calling card yep. of painkiller group. Absolutely. You've got to, you've got to come up to some dude's, you, you know, your ankle high on him and he's shooting lasers out of his eyes or whatever. And you've just got to pour damage onto his weak spots and get out of his way. And, uh, yeah, it's a little crazy. So they've got one of those at the end of the demo. So I'm assuming that's a part of hard reset is you're going to run into these big crazy bosses. Uh, awesome. So that's my game of the week. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that coming out in September. Um, and it's, to me, it's like the anti-rage. No. <laughs> All right, what do you have for us for Game of the Week, Jason D. McMaster? My Game of the Week is Fallout right. New Vegas. What? That's like an yeah. old game. I know, right? <laughs> you, what was that from? You pulled something from 99 last week? Uh, good point. You got me. Alpha Centauri is not exactly a new game. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I did like your nerve stable suggestion for the London riots, though. That's, that's, that's I wonder, nice. the, the riots seem to be dying down, so I'm wondering if maybe someone over there saw my post and took me up on my advice. I don't know. Maybe so. All right, um, so you're, you're going back to what, when did this game come out? Like 2001? How old is it? Ah, uh, yeah, probably like 2000. Are you only 9/11? Now, is this a replay, or are you only just now getting around to playing it for the first time? Well, it's kind of a replay, as I'm... Well, no, I'm continuing a character that I gave up on at about level 15. Oh, okay, so you'd stalled, and you're just picking it up now, again. Right. Uh, I had a lot of problems, as I know you have, mm-hmm. um, with New Vegas, one of which not being able to find the quest uh, givers or the, like end of quest that I was on. 
because they just kind of didn't exist. Um, that kind of thing. Was but that was a really bug where you couldn't turn in a quest or you just were, couldn't figure out the map? No, no. Well, I, I could that too. But there was a, that they were both fighting against me, my severe retardation and the bugs <laughs> in the game. <laughs> now, when you're playing Jason D. McMaster, do you find yourself yelling at the characters on screen to rape a horse? On occasion. Okay. In that case, you do qualify for the, uh, for retardation then. <laughs> yes. That? But I make sure my horse has armor on. Very good. <laughs> Play it safe, right? Only the sexiest horses. Um, but by the way, did I mention a movie called Zoo? Yes, I believe you did. <laughs> good. Let's not go back there again. Uh, so uh, you've you've got uh, you've you've picked up your character. He's level fifteen. You'd stalled before. You couldn't find a quest giver. Uh, what made you go back in and have your problems been addressed? Well, a friend of mine uh, has recently moved back to town. And he was talking about it in Fallout New Vegas a good bit. So I decided to go, uh, you know, fire it up one day. And, uh, yeah, a lot of my problems have been addressed. It seems mm-hmm. like they've patched the game mm-hmm. once or twice. Or, well, knowing Bethesda, they've patched it like a million times because God love them. They're one of my favorite companies, but Jesus, they, they patch because I, I even think there's some people still writing patches for Daggerfall. <laughs> now, I, I just want to, what do you think of this, Jason McMaster? What if I were to float to you that I think there's an important distinction between a Bethesda game and an Obsidian game? And I feel that a lot of the problems with Fallout New Vegas come from it not being a Bethesda game, but instead being an Obsidian game. See, and that's the saddest thing, because I really, really, I always cheer for Obsidian. Yep. Like, you know, come on, guys, come on. Don't alpha protocol me. You know, I mean, I wanted that game to be so good. And there were parts of it that were so good. And man, then there's the rest of it. The freaking combat. Oh my god. Now I just want to go on record as being an apologist for alpha protocol. I will not brook any sass about alpha protocol. I thought that game was great. I thought it got the, the choice and consequences aspect. It, it nailed that. I, I fortunately did not have the technical problems that I know some folks had. Uh, I just, yeah, I mean, no, I love the choice and consequence parts. Those are great. It's like the rest of it. You know, I, I don't know. It's the whole, just, God, combat in general was so horrid. It just didn't work. I don't know. It just felt clunky. But... What? Yeah, go go ahead. So I just want well, actually real quick. So one of the things though about Alpha Protocol though is that depending on choices you made in combat, like whether or not you were a shotgun dude or a pistol dude or like certain choices were almost like difficulty levels that I feel might have been the case because of the way they designed the combat. Like I don't think it was an intentional w- way to make certain weapon. It was intentional to make certain weapons more difficult than others. It was just a byproduct of how. Like you're saying, it was kind of clunky at times. Um, yeah, I mean, the game itself, it's it's like always, they're always the B team, you know? It's like they're, they're the sequel guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, you know, no, we gave you a game. So, uh, yeah, Alpha Protocol. And then they're just like, uh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not KOTOR 2. It's, it's not Fallout 3 Part 2 Vegas 9000 or whatever. It's... It's your own game. And man, oh man. I mean, uh, spies too, really. 
spies. Um, Wait, what do you mean spies? I just like it's a spy game. Oh, yeah, oh, I mean, oh, it, like the setting, right, right. Why do you yeah, hate spies? I mean, What's wrong with spies? I don't hate spies, but it's just kind of, it's just this weirdly unexciting setting. <laughs> oh, McMaster, uh, McMaster, I'm going to have to uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take you out to the woodshed now. Uh, oh, <laughs> I loved the setting. Like I loved the story and the way that it was about, you, you know, here's what's happening in the world. You can't really change it, but you can decide where you align or don't with it. Like I loved its overall almost sort of existential take on contemporary politics. Uh, it was like Tom Clancy meets Camus. Now, you know what? I'm, I'm getting way too beret wearing, but uh, I, I really liked the story. I really liked what they did with that whole spy. You weren't about trope. to say Camus, were you? No, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> well, they, I mean, I don't know if I don't want to spoil it, but the thing is where is his name Thornton, Thornton, whatever, where the guy finally ends up because it's doing this device where he's been captured and he's being interrogated. And while he's being interrogated, he's having to answer questions about events. And then you go back and you play those events. And then his answer is based on what you just did. So I, I don't want to spoil anything by saying he can't really save the world. Uh, Instead, he can just decide kind of, and it's not necessarily a good or evil, like how he feels about this world view. Uh, it's sort of like you cannot shape your destiny. You can only resign yourself to it. Uh, hmm. that's, and that's, I, maybe I shouldn't use the word existential because that, that sounds too highfalutin, but it was, I liked that take. It wasn't like Jack Ryan saving the day and being the, you know, <laughs> being the president's personal advisor now yeah. and isn't everything great and we've stopped the terrorists. Jack uh, Ryan's a total badass. I don't know if anyone ever noticed that, but uh, Jack Ryan could kick an ass and do all sorts of crazy things. You know, is that actually true? Because I don't. I Jack Ryan to me is Harrison Ford uh, on his way to losing all interest in whatever he's doing. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> how I think of Jack Ryan. But I, I but, you know, I, I don't know the books. I, I don't even know the movies that there, well. Well, I don't either, honestly. But there were three Jack Ryans. Oh, Ben Affleck was one of them. Yes. This is this is this is sort of like a question like name the actors who have played James Bond you know name the actors who played Jack Ryan uh, and you know what I don't I think I could only do Ben Affleck and Harrison Ford there's been another Jack Ryan yes October no. October Alec Baldwin yeah that was Jack Ryan I'm pretty sure <laughs> I had no idea man he gets I, around I'm probably wrong no I mean I was like oh, yes. <laughs> I, you know what? You could, if you just say it with enough conviction, Jason D. McMaster, I'll believe you. Oh yeah, yeah. See, yeah. Before the internet, it was so much easier to be told crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, I'm sorry. I've gotten us off on an alpha protocol tangent. Uh, so, it, so you are back with uh, Fallout New Vegas. Your friend, I think, peer pressured you into playing again. Is that yes. where you were going? Right. Yes, he was Jack Ryan and Hunter Red October. Ha! Ah, Twenty-one years. Very good. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, my friend, uh, yes, uh, he talked me into playing it again, and I made a new character and found that I totally couldn't give two shits about the beginning. So I went and picked up uh, where I left off, and one of the big reasons I quit playing the game um, initially is I'm a big fan of Melee in those games because, A, it's obnoxious, and, B, it makes the most hilarious bats replays. So... I'm always running around beating people. Uh, and it was just, it was pretty awful. Um, 
in New Vegas at first because they added the whole armor uh, resistance and all these crazy other stats to it that reduce the amount of damage that you can do to certain creatures. And um, so, uh, yeah, I picked it back up and I started playing with it again. I added some of the uh, expansions on. and mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a different experience. So have you been punching a lot of giant ants right in the antenna? I've been punching a lot of giant ants. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, what, uh, okay, important question for you, Jason D. McMaster. Hardcore yeah. mode? No. Ah, well, okay. Do we need to, do we need to fit you out with a, a nice little uh, skirt and a frilly blouse? Yes. <laughs> now, why uh, no hardcore mode? Because, again, when I think of, and I just want to touch on my, my childhood roots as a guy who was heavily influenced by the Road Warrior. I think of Mel Gibson and Gyro Captain and his dog just, and that one can of dog food or cat food or whatever it is that he opens and then he eats it and then he throws it to the dog and the dog gets the remains of it and then Gyro Captain is left because he's the prisoner with nothing to eat. So one important aspect of being a badass post-apocalyptic warrior is this idea of having to scrounge for food and food being precious. So I like, in theory, the way hardcore mode in Fallout New Vegas makes stuff like that matter. Uh, oh, sure. I mean, it's a cool idea. But you want no part of it? No, I don't really want to worry about it. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, no, I'm good. I'll just keep punching things to death. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know? uh, and so, uh, what, uh, so you're doing a melee build. You yep. are not doing hardcore mode. And by the way, to be fair, hardcore mode is really misnamed, I feel. It adds a lot of busy work, but yeah. it really wasn't an additional challenge. And there's never really – there's so much – for a post-apocalyptic setting, there is so much like treasure and loot and just stray economy in Fallout uh, oh, yes. and Fallout New Vegas that hardcore mode just felt like a mode that made me duck into the interface far more frequently than I normally would have. It didn't really feel like it added that, that sense of that last can of dog food mattering to, to the road. Work. Yeah. And if I'm going to play hardcore mode, it's not going to be as a melee guy, you know, uh, right. <laughs> cause that's just a bad idea. <laughs> now, now why is that? Because you're putting yourself in harm's way when you are. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's like, there's so many creatures in that game that poison you or do ridiculous things that you don't really have to, deal with if you haven't gone. (laughs) Well, you know, I actually remember now from when I was playing, because again, I I cannot play because there's some fatal bug on my version on the 360 that keeps killing the game whenever I get in combat. So, you know, F Fallout New Vegas, as far as I'm concerned. But when I was playing in hardcore mode, I I remember I kept getting like limbs disabled and I was really sort of straightjacketed by the number of these med kits or whatever I needed to repair a damaged limb. Uh, So it did feel like combat did feel at times dangerous. It wasn't a big deal making sure that I had food and water, but by golly, keeping those limbs from getting disabled, that was the difficult part for me. Oh, yeah, I'm sure radiation, too. Yeah. Actually, radiation? No, just keep a stock of rat away. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I just got an email telling me that Bioware is bringing Dragon Age to Google+. That, that was almost, yeah, that was going to be my news of the week, but it's not because I still don't know what Google+, is. 
Now okay. I actually know it's basically Facebook. So if it's yeah, Facebook, it's Facebook, yeah. Facebook Junior, or Plus, if you like. So a runner-up, by the way, for post of the week. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Jason McCullough posted. Uh, he's created this. Um, I don't know if it's like a batch file or something, but it's something that you download oh, yeah. along with all these mods for Fallout New Vegas, and it installs something like 20 or 30 different mods. It's like some. It's he did this. He did a mod project for Oblivion, and now he's doing one for Fallout New Vegas. Uh, that's the sort of thing. I don't have Fallout New Vegas on the PC. But, man, I see that Jason's done all the hard work putting that together, and that's the sort of thing that makes me think, hmm, maybe I should play on the PC. Yeah, I always think that, too, especially with, like, the Bethesda games, because there's millions of freaking mods for them every yeah. time one comes out. So maybe you should consider that for your uh, Fallout New Vegas playthrough, for your Melee guy. Yeah, no, I'm a little bit too far in <laughs> to, to want to go back and do all that fresh hell over with again. All right, so that's your game of the week. And by the way, I think we should plug that your uh, your preview on Dead Island, which you spoke about briefly, that's now up on GameSpy. Folks should yes. check that out. Well, Game Shark, but yes. Yeah, oh, my God, I keep doing that. I do that to Bill <laughs> at the time, too. Bill Abner, he's the editor-in-chief over at Game Shark. I'm constantly, like, sending him invoices that have GameSpy written at the top. I just <laughs> <laughs> He just probably just goes, oh. No, no, he'll send me, he'll like write in all caps, Tom, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like he'll, he'll sort of mock yell at me. The funny thing is, I never do that to the Game Spy guys by calling them Game Sharks. So I don't know what my deal is. You should. <laughs> Start calling them, uh, Game Genie. <laughs> Whatever those things were. Oh god, that used to plug into the NES. Oh. I don't even know what that is. Oh, I see. It's the equivalent of a Game Shark thing. Yeah, yeah, game genie. Right. We need more of those. I actually played a GameCube game last week. When's the last time you played a GameCube game? Does my 3DS count? Wait, no, because Ocarina of Time is 64, wasn't it? Jeez, yeah, but it's cool. you know, but it's a 3DS version, so it doesn't count. You have to actually play the GameCube version. It's been quite some time since I've played a game. Do you have any? I don't know if you're like me, but I have the games that are in regular that I regularly play. They're on a shelf in the living room. Things that are on uh, not quite as frequent a rotation go into the close into one of the closer op bedrooms in my house. There's like a bigger shelf of games there, and then I have the closet of shame where oh, yeah. the other things get relegated. And then finally, and I've, out in the garage, that's where my copy of Tony Hawk Ride lives. So I do, however, keep a few games on my a few GameCube games. A few maybe maybe it's just the one. Are there two? You know what? I think there are two GameCube games that are on my shelf in the living room near the TV. Do you have if in your situation do you have any such GameCube games out there where you could just reach them out, put them in your Wii, and be playing them immediately? No. No, I have uh, the only older games I have sitting around are mostly PS2 because the Xbox ones are basically useless. What PS2 games do you keep around? I have I, one of those, but go ahead. I keep a handful of Atlas games that I'm messing around with. At the right. Time. right. Persona 3, Persona 4, um, any Shin Megami Tensei game. So, um, so yeah. Uh, you know, a God Hand. We got God hands. Oh, so nice. Right. Of course. No more clover. 
Uh, I actually have, because I have two dance pads for the PS2, uh, I have about like a half dozen DDR games that I still keep out. They're not in the living room, but they're, they're in the heavier rotation office shelf. Mm. Uh, so I have those for the PS2. I have a copy of, of Unholy War for the PS1. Oh. Wait, is that right? Is that for the PS1? It's gotta be. That might be the oldest thing. And that's in, not in the living room, but it's in the heavy rotation office. But out in the living room, I just want to say for the GameCube, one of the games I have out there is, and I'm going to screw up the name, it's Rogue Squadron or Rebel Squadron. It's whichever one of those Star Wars games has split screen play. Because I still think that's a great oh, game. Yeah. Just, just for, just dinking around in X-Wings and shooting down TIE Fighters. And it's got co-op modes and you can do the missions cooperatively. Uh, I love that game. And you know what? I don't care that it's on a GameCube. I'm fine with that. But the other game that we keep out and that I played with some friends who came over lately, this is like a great co-ed party game. Don't want to be sexist or anything, but women can totally dig this game, even if they're not into other games. Beach Spikers. What? Yeah. See? Now, have you never... Beach Spikers is a volleyball game for the GameCube. Uh, God, I hope so. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> It's a shooter. It's a tactical military sim. Beach whale strangling simulation. <laughs> no, because like you spike the the volleyball. Come on, McMaster. For sure, I got that. <laughs> so beach spikers, though it's four player. It's every bit as good as Virtua Tennis but better because of the dynamics of volleyball. You know, virtue of tennis, you just want to get the ball back over the net. Tennis is, is uh, you know, I'm going to use this word again. I apologize, it's a terrible word. Tennis is retarded. You're just whacking the ball over. But beach spikers, you know, volleyball, you've got this whole dynamic of someone receives, somebody sets up, somebody returns. You know, the ball comes over, and you and your partner have a one, two, three kind of thing going. And there are great little variations in beach spikers. It still looks good. The women in beach spikers, too, aren't this silly buxom doa models you know they they look like actual women volleyball players i mean they're hot sure that's fine but they're not oh. ridiculous looking uh i so i love me some beach spikers i i i keep it out by my wii i have four controllers that are always ready to go uh how do we get off on beach spikers yeah i would just like to point out that yeah. i said i told you dynasty warriors gundam 3 was a bad idea God, you really did didn't you <laughs> That's what I get listening to you, McMaster. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Thanks, thanks for bumming me out. You, you know what? I'm not bummed out because I don't have to play it anymore. I'm done with it. Screw that game. <laughs> That's how I felt about Duke Nukem. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I will never boot that up again. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, do you want my copy of Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3? You can have it if you want it. You oh, might want to sure. try that game. <laughs> Level up some of your anime robots there. Yeah, my favorites. My favorites. I'm a big, uh, yeah, I don't even really like Dynasty Warriors that much because they haven't done anything with the game, but man, and then you add robots in. How could it go wrong? I know, I know. Well, to find out how it goes wrong, read my review on GameSpy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Game Shark. One of those two. Yeah. Bill's gonna have a freaking heart attack. His monocle's popping out, landing in his martini glass right now. So uh, what do you have coming up, Jason D. McMaster? What, what can we look forward to from you? Do you got any outstanding assignments? Um, I will have Dead Island, uh, in theory, uh, if, if, if I get it. That would be nice. Uh, no, yeah, I, I'm, we'll be reviewing Dead Island, 
and you know I, I'm, I'm jockeying for Dark Souls, but I'm not. I don't have a lot of faith in it. When can we play Dark Souls? Uh, <laughs> this is funny. On my wedding anniversary, October fourth. And what what does Sarah think of that? Does she understand that you might she, have other commitments on that day? She is going to take it from me and play. <laughs> I see. So this is something for you to understand more than her to understand. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, she absolutely. She played Demon Souls a lot more than I did, and I played a lot. <laughs> now, what I was actually hoping to get at at you teasing here was uh, you have uh, you you've started a series on games oh. like League of Legends because that's kind of your bailiwick these days. You love those kind of games. I don't actually. I don't know if I use the phrase. If I use the word bailiwick correctly, so I'm gonna. I don't. I don't either. Just play it off. Play it off. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's your bailiwick. So that's your. That's in your wheelhouse. That's the one I'll go with. I know I got yeah, that one right. Yeah, we got that one. Uh, so you have coming down the pike, uh, hopefully a series on the history of these. Uh, I was yes. very pleased to see how far back you traced it. I think you traced what what are called mobas back as far as they can go. So I'll leave that as a teaser, uh, yeah. and we look forward to reading more from you. Uh, oh yes. Yes. Good. I'm going to try to get uh, into some sissy slap fights. Nah, well, <laughs> <laughs> no more than usual. Stay tuned. So, uh, And I will be back to talk a lot next week about a little age. Uh, you know what? Maybe. I don't know if it will be my game of the week, my post of the week, or my news story of the week. But Age of Empires Online is out next week. I've sunk. You know what? You cannot do. Age of Empires Online is a lot like an MMO. Unfortunately, one way it's not like an MMO is that if you type slash played, it does not tell you how many hours you have played. And I would be curious to know, because I'm pretty sure I've sunk in the last few days since I've been back from QuakeCon, I've got to at least played like 30 hours of that silly thing. Good word. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like me in Borderlands. It is. You know what? Here's the word I'm going to leave you with. It's, It's insidious. Oh, so there you go. So join us for that next week. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Jason D. McMaster. Now, you don't talk about this very often, but what does the D stand for? Dwight. Uh, who was your favorite character in Tron 2? <laughs> um, th- that's a trick question. <laughs> they were all terrible. Now, yeah, you know, I turned it off when they were um, when he got to like what's his name's house, like his dad's house or whatever. Then it just it turns into this whole political like Zen thing or whatever. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I, I don't want to watch this anymore. Hmm. I've so, noticed that you dodged the question. Oh, well, was it supposed? To, well, well I, I I don't remember their names. 
to <laughs> that one guy or that girl or whatever. <laughs> you know. Okay. Uh, obviously, the correct answer, Jason D. McMaster, Bo Garrett. 